Hi, hello, hey, hi, and hello. This is the Bobby Whore Picture Show with me, uh, Sleeves, and Bobby Babylon. Bobby? How's it going? Howdy, howdy, howdy. Everybody out here, thanks for tuning in. We had a great episode with Uncle Howard, and now, Sleeves, we've got, a, I think, our first female guest. This is an epic thing for the show. Yes, it's... it's yeah. It's great, and this is our guest. It is, you know her from the Twitch chats as Yokohama Bunny. She's on Twitter, in the Bug Main Cult, as Stuff He Does, Yokohama Bunny. Thank you. Yoko, thanks hey, for joining guys. us. Well, hey. thank you for having me. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you? I'm well. You know, I'm, I'm recording from an undisclosed location Ooh. so that people don't, you know, find me. As easily sure. as they might, my students uh, and everything. But um, I'm really excited to to kind of come onto the show and 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 represent the uh, the women the out there, fam. the Slurp Fam, and 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 introduce myself to you as a Yokohama Bunny stuff he does, and and also now as a Bazizio Pro gamer. Solo an announcement maybe for some folks. I don't know if you've said that before. You're going to be doing some game streams as a pro. Yeah, yeah. I did a one test stream uh, on the Struggle Session um, Twitch stream just to see how the equipment worked out and everything. And um, a bunch of people jumped on. And I had 38 viewers just for an unannounced, like, hour-long Apex stream, which was cool. So, That's fun. Yeah. I'm no, you're good. I saw you playing some. You definitely beat me. Oh, well, that's not hard. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You've got me nailed. We've been talking for two minutes and just pinned. You were saying there's some controversy over your Twitter handle sometimes, the stuff he does. Yeah, I started, um, I actually had Twitter when I lived in Japan, and it was um, it was a different handle because uh, I only knew Japanese people. And when I came over here, I was kind of like, well, now that I'm a teacher in America, I have to restart my my brand, you know, I can't have yep. all my students getting my hot takes on American politics. No. So I, I started a new Twitter handle. Um, and I actually started it because I was going to just uh, document the ways that men were being really weird to me in America. Um, so I called it stuff he does. And I like started <laughs> every day I would put some weird thing. And then I thought that's just not kind of cool because the, the thing was I wasn't getting nearly as harassed by, by men as I thought I would be. The harassment came from a lot of other women. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Especially because I didn't want to put my photo up. Um, and I didn't want to make myself connected to my husband or out myself as a teacher in, um, in this undisclosed area. <laughs> uh -huh. But, um, but then I would get a lot of kind of weird DMS and weird messages uh, or responses, retweets, um, from, uh, from women, from, from women who felt that I was a man, first of all, and that I was being like totally unreasonable that I was such a Bernie bro and you have no idea what it's like to be a woman and I'm like well <laughs> actually <laughs> you know and I had to start it out like that so you know that 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 little phrase well actually <laughs> but yeah well, I am I am a woman and uh, I'm sorry that was a problem for them so I had to change everything I had to identify myself I had to kind of out myself as a woman as a progressive you know it's just very, um, very different than I expected when I moved to this country. Well, you know, there's a much more positive side to the internet that is the bug main cult and the slurp fam. Yeah. And you are, yeah, you mean you're a Bazizio pro, so you are very well known in the slurp fam and the bug cult community. Tell us a little bit about that side of the internet and some of the like how how you feel about that and like the people you've kind of met um i know personally i've made a lot of connections i feel a lot of connections with you i mean oh. tell us a lot oh, not tell she us a lot she was surprised by those connections i was surprised I by those connections uh -oh. i, I talked didn't to you. feel you connecting with me so i didn't know <laughs> i mean i talk we talk nearly every day i know that's weird I mean, but it's hard not to, uh, you know, make some sort of connections with, with people that you 
you literally talk to every day on uh, in a Twitch chat. Famously so, famously, and we are quite unfiltered in that chat. And I the the only reason I found that because it is kind of hidden, hidden like and subversive, and all kinds of dark Jack AM kind of uh, mythos that surrounds it. I mean, it's no, I'm just. Um, I met it. Be- I, I ran into it because Jack's on it, and then Jack is uh, he's of course has struggle session with uh, my husband who is uh, less, and um, and that's how I kind of slid into. So you were nice that. enough to watch Jack and give him a try because he's working with your husband he at least, and he, he was he had enough politics or hot takes to keep you around, kinda. He does. He works so hard. He works he so hard. It's a hard show to do. And just, you know, welcoming us every morning um, and, and, and graciously allowing us to spend money um, <laughs> as much as we can, <laughs> bleed us dry. It really is one of the, I mean, it's just such a great medium. And uh, it's like a, a morning call-in show or a morning drive show. And um, America has missed that. So that's that's how I got introduced to everyone. And then for some reason... Um, I, I got to know people in the bug, bug main culture and, and bug con. And I wasn't sure that that was real up until the day before it happened. And that's why I didn't go. Um, because I thought I would be showing up in LA. Um, you know, I didn't, in a room. I didn't go and I had doubts. I knew sleeves was going and I, I kind of wanted this the is, horror story when he came back about is, me being right. This is unbelievable. Was I don't it? know why. I can't believe any of you doubted the bug main. Yeah. I mean, not for a second. A real, real error in judgment. I thought it, it was going to be just a bunch of people showing up in a room and not really like, knowing what's going on. And it kind of. It kind it, of was. I mean, it was kind of. I yeah, exactly like that. So uh, I I watched it from afar and was trying to to figure out when people would leave. So I loved kind of that arc of watching it from the beginning and then seeing the crowds get smaller and smaller. But these were the real people, the real fans. So that's how you know. Yeah, diehard fans. The real fans, not just because of the yellow vests. Exactly. So you did watch some of the some of the bits over the weekend oh, when it was uh, originally aired. Oh, yeah, I watched all of it. I was glued to my phone. Um, it didn't warrant really a large screen, so I just carried my phone <laughs> around <true>. with me. <laughs> well, what 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 is uh what is kind of your impression of the whole? I, I mean, the the audience. I mean, the audience has become the it's the Slurp family on Jack AM, the Slurp fam. I mean, there's the Bug Lanes and the Bug Cult. It's um. What have you kind of um, noticed about about it? About the people? It's a the the yeah. it's the cults about positivity. You mentioned a negative side of the internet earlier, um, and and some of those issues are issues that don't even exist in the cult. No, yeah. Um, my first impression is overwhelmingly white. Um, <laughs> my second impression was there was a lot of facial hair. Um, so a lot lot of white men white white, well not I mean not uh, you know facial hair women have facial hair we just kind of you know but these are big these are big beards they're not just facial hair they're big uh, (laughs) they're they're bearded men (laughs) big bearded men I know at some point when I was watching the live stream that the the chat was actively counting how many women were in the room and it wasn't hitting you know 10 that that would have been a dream it seemed i don't know about being there in person but you would have been one yoko are you looking are you going to go to 2020 now that you know it's real oh sure absolutely i've i've already made plans alphabet pizza and i um that we will definitely be there and since you know famously california is a legal state um that'll be great uh so hopefully yeah. all my students hear this. Um. <laughs> I really hope um, none of your students can find this. I, if your students have any idea, like, how to find sleeves or bobby, that's you nah, need to yeah. send them um, <laughs> to detention. To, to some, send them, like, 
to the counselor or an advisor that can get them the help they need. Yeah, they do know I Twitch stream, but they it's there's no way they they would be able to find it. Now that I've put that challenge out there, I'm sure there are listeners who will take it upon themselves to blanket <laughs> the area. No, I mean I I wouldn't think so, and I don't really say anything that's gonna be. I mean, controversial. Uh, but who knows? I mean, skittle scattle. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. For sure. yeah. Absolutely. It is a famously <laughs> welcoming environment, though. I don't have any friends in this country um, other than the people that I have met through Jack AM and uh, Bug Main and uh, LLC. It was helpful to have that chart up um, at the on Sunday yeah. that I knew well, exactly a- where I was, yeah. It's a, it's, uh, it's kind of complicated. It, you kind of, you really have to pay attention. <laughs> you have to, you have to be there, um, every day. You can't miss a second. Otherwise it gets, uh, kind of confusing. Yeah, it's true. Um, but outside of the cult, uh, Yoko, I know that you mentioned to us that you are pretty passionate about movies and that you kind of have something you might be starting up soon. What are you thinking of doing with uh, some films? We're going to be talking about one of your favorites in Glorious Bastards in a minute. Yeah. What might be coming in the future for Yokohama Bunny? Well, um, I already have a couple of episodes of um, a podcast that I started called Women Watching Women, um, which was kind of... uh, I started it because it was a response to, I was always watching SVU, Law and Order SVU. And like making, Uncle Howard, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and making fun of all the characters um, because, and I, I thought that would be a, a, a great take on um, on seeing women, uh, not unlike myself, but also the ways that we're directed in in the entertainment industry and how we're kind of portrayed. And, and there was just, there were just a lot of films that I wanted to talk about in TV shows, um, you know, through that lens, I guess. So I have a couple of episodes and then Val is coming on. Val, we're going to talk about, uh, nine to five. Um, and she okay. has a lot of like, uh, really hot takes on, on comedy. Um, so that'll be, I guess three or four episodes, but, Hopefully I'll, I'll release them. Everybody has such great work out there, and I, I you know, I, it's hard to compete. <laughs> it sounds like a good plan. You're stockpiling some episodes, and then everybody will be blown away all at once. Just take a big old dump there, yeah. On the- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. Big old dumps. Big old dumps. <laughs> um, talking about, you wanted to talk about Inglorious Bastards today. What's something, or, you know, why is that kind of the movie that came into your head when we... Uh, pitched having you on the show here i think um well in most recently i'd heard a lot of um people bring up uh uh tarantino because uh once upon a time in america is coming out and um yeah it's out i think actually and i'll see it on sunday but um inglorious bastards was i think actually called once upon a time in germany and um i went back and watched it again last week uh, and, um, and I still stand by it. I really, I really love Quentin Tarantino. Um, he, he is a filmmaker. He's, we don't have a lot of those anymore. We don't have people who are fans of real film. We have this stuff that's kind of churned out that I find totally uninteresting. You know, um, I go see it. <laughs> I still pay money yeah. to see it, <laughs> but it's just gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, there's gotta be better better ideas going around so that's why yeah i I mean tarantino's a a hot thing lately with a lot of his ties and a lot of things that have happened in previous movies i stand with you i think he's really good um i don't think every movie's incredible but Mm. even you know rewatching inglorious bastards and just getting to see his vision of it he draws it out as long as he can and makes it a little too long but you know that first time through it's all really amazing and very well done and interesting. And essentially, if anybody doesn't know, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, the 2009 Tarantino movie. Um, it's cut into chapters like everything he does. In the first section, when we open up, we're going to meet the Jew hunter. And he's going into a home that's harboring um, a neighboring family that was Jewish because we're in France. Uh, Nazis have occupied everything. And this is like the first time we see a woman running away and in the story at the end after he slaughtered somebody's family to mm. kind of set up the rest of the story. 
Yeah. And then later on, she's running the theater and things like that. What do you notice with her character and how she gets treated in the film or what happens to her? I think if you look at um, the, the female characters in his film or the women in his film, um, you have Shoshana, who's the uh, refugee, the Jewish refugee who we see in the first act. Um, we have uh, her kind of reiteration of her character when we see her again in Paris. We have um, Brigitte uh, or uh, Bridget von Hammersmark, who is the, um, the German uh, ally, uh, the ally played by uh, D- Diane Kruger. And then um, there's also another female character. Obviously, there's the uh, there's the interpreter for her. I think it's uh, Goering, um, who's who's played by a French actress. I think uh, her name is actually Julia Dreyfus. Um, so you, I I always kind of a- admire the way that Tarantino portrays his characters. And Shoshana, you see her first framed through that um, door, the door jam, as she's running away. Um, and that's a straight pull from The Searchers by John Huston. So already it kind of sets the tone. This is a Western, um, but it's set in, in you know, this kind of alternate uh, Nazi-occupied Europe. Um, and for her, she's kind of, I mean, she's our heroine. She's our, our well, Aldo Rain is the cowboy, but she's not really the damsel in distress. She's the, um, the driving force in the film that um, ultimately culminates in, in that uh, last act. With the, yeah, uh, and she's really interesting. Um, knowing that you were coming on, I might have tr- been trying to act like I'm smarter and notice things that happen to the women characters. And watching her, it is interesting. She's not the damsel in distress, like you said, but she's constantly being kind of put up against that natural force because it's the Nazis and because it's men that are talking down to her that sort of guide her throughout the story. And even though that's happening, she's still kind of taking it the path that she wants, a, a true heroine. Yeah. And it, it just gets interesting seeing that um, that officer that's famous, that the Nation's Pride movie is going to be about, the way that he's forcefully forcing himself on her. Yeah, absolutely. He's All the men are trying to define her as like this sexual person or this person who needs the, her, their help. And when Zola comes in, who's this German uh war hero you know um he's trying to you know trying to make the moves on her trying to you know kind of annex her i don't know if that you want to put it in those terms but she's really pushing back on that kind of narrative she's not that woman she's not a collaborator she's not someone's girlfriend or lover um she has her own goal and uh you do not see that in other films you know, a lot that men will write characters for, or men will write women as, as stronger characters. Yeah. She's strong right away. I know his new movie, I saw something saying that Margot Robbie had no lines and all that stuff about them trying to act like Tarantino. And he's definitely in certain films had great female characters that kind of break a mold. Somebody might try to say he does. Mm. Like all his films really, I'm Kill Bill and then uh, Django Unchained and um, Jackie Brown um he he doesn't he doesn't subscribe to that kind of you know that narrative that comes from a lot of critics or fans that say you should have you you should have more women he he has tons of women he has i mean amazing characters and um i think it's it's kind of insulting to say to margot Robbie like they're doing now in in their in their junkets they're saying well you didn't have a lot of roles in this film and she's like i think I'm I'm pretty much a, a kind of a, a touchstone for the film, and you know, a very much of a symbol of that time that everyone else kind of revolves around. Um, it's very true to Sharon Tate, I think, in her young career that in this next movie, um, she's uh, not not so much the featured player, but everything in the actions of the film they kind of swirl around her and what eventually happens. Um, so it's unfair to Tarantino to say that they don't, he doesn't pay homage to women or write for strong women. He does. Yeah. And this one's definitely a, a great example of it. Um, to try and get more of just really the first half to set up the movie. Otherwise we jump to seeing, um, Aldo Rain and his crew getting set up and you had noticed some sort of bug averse things about the hunters that are going to go out and scalp the Nazi sleeves. What did you uh, tell me about before this? Yeah. 
there's um there's definitely some uh, bug cult connections and in, in this film there is uh do tell there's bj novak for one he he nearly replaced franklin on bug tv there was a period of time when uh they were battling for the spot Which, of, it's uh, a crazy concept uh, yeah it had never worked but uh that nearly happened bj <sighs> novak nearly took over uh and Franklin was our first step, so that would have then meant it's B.J. Novak. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's Howard's uncle or what would have happened. It's hard to say. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then there's also uh, Paul Rust is in this film. And he's he's a comedian that goes, uh, you know, there's there's some ties into there somehow. I mean, he's in a he's in the band with, uh, with the Mitch Live uh band leader so i mean there's definitely some uh cult connections and ties and in, in the this bugs movie, are everywhere sure. oh their yeah. infestation is um mm-hmm. is just almost global now i mean paul yeah, paul rust he's basically you know my first cousin i mean <laughs> that's a, essentially i mean he doesn't know my name he's never seen me or met me but i feel i mean i know we're related absolutely well uh, I mean, we're all brothers and sisters and in, in the, under the bug main cult. Right. It's we're a family. We're a slurp family. I can't believe, uh, you know, BJ will come back to the fold, I think, and bring a yeah, few Yeah, well, that more. was ballsy yeah. of him to not, if he was chosen, to not come in. We'll see how that works out. He was an inglorious, but yeah. What do you think of uh, Aldo and his crew? Do you like the the team? I think I, I relate a lot to Brad Pitt. He's pretty cool, Aldo. Um, and Aldo they got the bear Jew, and, and they got some tough guys. Yeah, it's weird because um, I when I first saw it, I was like, "Wow, Brad Pitt is an incredibly bad actor." And then <laughs> um, when I watched it over and over again, I really do love his his characterization of this character. And he portrays, he drops names that are real figures in history, like Bridges. He's descended from Bridges, and that's a real person. That's weirdly who The Revenant is based off of. Have you seen The Revenant? Which is the... Yeah, I've seen it. I didn't know that, though. Yeah. So that's based on this guy named Glass, who was left in the wild for dead by these two guys. And one of those guys is Bridges, who is Aldo Rain's supposed antecedent. And then... um. Yeah, I do like his cadence a lot. I, I looked up all the actors who are on his uh, squad, um, his Inglorious Bastards. He's got BJ bastards. and Eli Roth, I know. Yeah, and a guy named Michael Bacall, who just undersigned the um, the counter or the, the statement from the WGA supporting uh, Craig Mazin and... and um, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That list of names is long. <laughs> and we have long memories. The Craig cult Mason. has long memories. <laughs> So I, <coughs> excuse me. So I really I, did enjoy. Um, I enjoyed that scene. I I like how he writes it, and Tarantino takes his time. You know, there are no quick cuts. Um, it really allows you to enjoy, enjoy the dialogue. I really liked Brad Pitt's character in this. He's a lot of fun. We were actually talking about it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. He did bring a good char- characterization to it, and I'm not sure, like, if there's another actor I could really enjoy playing that role. But for some reason, Brad Pitt was f- fun in that role for me. Yeah, we were saying uh, McConaughey could have done it. Maybe he's got <laughs> yeah. that. All right, all right, all right, all right. I need, yeah, that. I right, need my day. German scout, the scout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I. I mean, just everything about that section's fun, though, because then, like, what. I like about the movie in a way is that I get to see Nazis get tortured and swastikas cut onto their foreheads. And the scene of like bringing in the bear juice cool, which is played by Eli Roth. You do know um, who was supposed to originally play that role, right? Um, and I, I don't think so. I can see it. Um, Adam Sandler was their first choice. Oh. And uh, you, Wow. I mean, they have, okay, it sort of ties in. They have kind of odd castings. Mike Myers plays a part later on, yeah. uh, you know, Dr. Evil himself. And then, yeah, they have Eli Roth, who I figured is just friends with Quentin, but it was going to be Sandler, huh? Yeah. Eli Roth also di- directed the uh, film within a film, which is the pride of um, the the German propaganda oh, film. The, yeah. the, the nation's pride. Yeah. 
Um, oh, okay. So he actually directed that one. Uh, Adam Sandler was supposed to be, um, yeah, uh, Horowitz, the bear Jew. Um, and I can see him going crazy. You know, when he, he beats up the, uh, the, the German, I think the German colonel, uh, and he goes crazy. He's like, the ball, you know, the crowd's going wild. The ball's been all, you know, as a home run hero. I could see Sandler doing that. As, uh, yeah, and, and Sandler saying, I, I fucking Ted Williams Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it could have worked. I think Eli was actually good for it. Um, oh, yeah, he was great. He was very good. Very convincing. But essentially, they, once they get rolling, um, the rest of the story rolls into that our, our lead heroine that escaped at the start, that we're going to end up having a movie premiere of Nation's Pride at her theater, and that in the long run, Hitler's going to end up being there. So our, our stories intertwine, and we've got to get this actress to the theater and have all of our guys out there kind of killing Nazis and taking scalps. What, um, what do you think of the actress kind of portion? She comes in at the bar, and they're going to meet up with her, and she's an ally. And things don't really work out that well for her. She, um, uh, she's, I think she's an Academy Award winner herself. Uh, or she was nominated for um, uh, In der Fad, which is the German uh, film from last year, for Best Actress. So she's quite well oh, wow. known, even in, in Germany um, and in America. You know, she dated, what's his name, from Dawson's Creek. Uh, the main guy? Uh, Do you know the hunk? You know hunks, right, Sleeves? <laughs> uh, James Van No, no, the no. other one. The other one. <clears throat> Oh, the darker-haired hunk? Yeah. So she yeah. she was with him for a long time. So that's how women are known now, because whom, whom, who they date. Who they're with. <laughs> who they're with. But she, uh, she played a brilliant. She is native German. Um, and uh, I, I find her interesting because she also doesn't take shit for them. You know, she's being tortured by Aldo Rain in the vet office. Who's, he's like, how come they went to the bar? You know, what happened? Um, and, and she's like, your guy messed it up. It wasn't my fault. I kept my cool. And that's one thing I really notice about all these characters, um, especially the women. And you see it in the, even in the first scene with the French farmer who's hiding um, the Jewish refugees. They, they don't give anything away. They're totally cool, calm, and collected. And it's because um, of, some, of some other force that they have to kind of give it up or something fucks up. And for this actress um, who plays von Hammersmark, the German, you know, double agent, so to speak, or agent, a spy, um, she keeps her cool in the bar. And it's the, it's, it's the guy, uh, Hickox, the um, English soldier who speaks supposedly fluent German, which he does not. He has this very thick, posh English accent when he speaks German. The actor himself speaks fluent German, but he plays it with a thick English accent. And he's the and one that... you we... notice that listening yourself. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No one, it's a very posh, it's, it's just a very posh English accent. His, his German is perfect, but it, he has the accent. Um, and he's the one that fucks it up. And I saw this, like I said, I saw this... Uh, in Japan, in a theater with Japanese people, and when he held his fingers up, I gasped audibly, because that's like the actress says, it's weird if you hold your fingers up for three like that. It just, um, it's an immediate tell. It's a cultural difference there. Yeah, he fucked it up. It's a very cool way to get caught. He's supposed to put the thumb up, right? That's the traditional German yeah, way. Yeah, like the thumb uh, and finger the two. guns within the middle finger. That's three. Finger guns. Germany's a cool country. So one. Other than, other than the one stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, other than the stuff that happened for 20 years. But one would what? be a thumb. <laughs> so one that's one um, would just be the thumb. And two would be the finger guns. And then three is uh, like he, um, like she held it up. But there's another mistake they make with food as well. When um, Shoshana is in the restaurant with uh, Christoph Waltz's character, Landa, and they're eating the strudel, um, he eats it like a German, and she doesn't. She eats it like Americans would eat it, which, which I found was odd because they did show a close-up of it, and so I didn't know if that was some kind of Easter egg or if he already had some strange you know, kind of uh, suspicions about her then, but I thought that was very strange. 
how she ate. I, I know what you're talking about with that part. Um, they bring them both, whatever, a little piece of pie, and then they put the, the whipping on. Mm-hmm. But are you saying that she holds her fork or that the way that she eats it, that she, like, scoops it and then gets the, the topping? What do you mean she did it wrong? Well, um, so Americans will cut something, um, then put the knife down, turn the fork, and then eat it. Um, but Germans will um, push it onto the back of will always hold the fork in the left hand and the knife will always be in the right hand and you just push the food onto the fork and eat it without putting either utensil down um oh okay so that switching that goes on is only it's like a north american thing um yeah i don't know if that was his choice um they really shouldn't have had knives anyway for strudel that might just be a continuity (laughs) error i've never seen anybody eat strudel with a knife um, but the fact that he pulled a close-up on that was um, interesting. Again, she kept her cool the whole time, which uh, which I it's, it's a brilliant actress. So. Yeah, no, that's a really good catch. Yeah. I think you probably spotted it on him. And, yeah, that whole scene's interesting because it's almost like, um, if I was to say it in a simpler way, it's almost like her abuser's right beside her and she has to be there or something because he killed her whole family yeah. and doesn't quite know who she is, but she knows about him. Yeah, the kind of rage. It's absolutely her abuser, her her hunter, you know, that he, he's a mass murderer and she has to kind of sit there and take it. It's kind of, um, it really does speak to to how women feel a lot of times in society um, that we have to sit next to our accuser, sit next to our abuser, and just kind of, you know, just keep on keeping on, just keep uh, that uh, facade up. So I think you have a brilliant take on it. Yeah, it's just interesting how Tarantino is able to show that without it being kind of that exact thing. He just sets up a very believable woman that has to do some things. And she decides that she's going to just burn up all the Nazis in her theater the night of the premiere, including the hero of Nation's Pride that killed, you know, a couple hundred and is having a film made about him. Yeah. Um, the, The end scene is kind of something that... Is, is I kind of said to Sleeves that if I was saying why Tarantino made it for me, I just would have thought he wants to write a huge scene at the end of killing those people in a way and just made a pretty cool story to come towards to it. Oh, that that was his starting point? Was the ending was the starting point? If I were to guess, just because I think it's so out there and it was definitely the thing that shocked me kind of the first time, even though it's a Nazi story, seeing it then, it, it was like, oh, cool. He really blew it up and got to get everybody. Yeah, he did um, He did write it before he wrote wrote Kill Bill. Um, he wrote it for Brad Pitt and DiCaprio. And, um, and it was called Once Upon a Time in Germany, not Inglorious Bastards. So I can see him having that kind of idea in his mind that he wants to kill off all the German leadership and how is he going to get there. But it's interesting that um, even at the end, Landa takes um, credit for the whole plan. He's like, I want people to know that it was me who wanted to end the war this way. Um, Whereas in reality, you know, it was always her idea. She was like, I'm going to bring everyone in this theater and I'm going to kill them all and burn them down with my film. And it just kind of so happens that um, Hamas Mach comes in at the same time and blows everything up. Um, they were both working towards the same end goal. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Landa takes credit for it all. The man takes credit for everything, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, every woman, every woman does end up dying, I believe. Even the one that you mentioned, um, that's the translator. She's got like a cool little leopard, like actual little leopard head hat or something earlier in the movie. That's brilliant. uh, Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't have a whole lot going on, but she gets shot to hell at the end, just like Hitler and the rest of them. And uh, they get to just go pretty video game on the whole crew. Oh, I I love the ending. I love it, and I I love the fact that the two. Two members of Inglorious Bastards were just, you know, I mean, it was a suicide mission. And um, I'm not sure if uh, Shoshana ever planned to get out of the theater. I don't think she did, as well as um, the projectionist who was in the back of the theater who lit the uh, all the um, film. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, a horror show. I was always trying to figure out what happened to the dog. 
you know, she takes her dog everywhere. Was the dog in the lodge with her? You know? The, I lost track of the dog. The poodle. Yeah, she had a it. huge yeah. standard poodle, and I was trying to find it. I was hoping, you know, hmm. <laughs> there would be like a cut scene where it dashes from the theater, but um, everyone dies, yeah. It seems like it, yeah. He lights yes. that fire, and they don't show um, her helper or assistant getting out the back door or anything. Yeah, no. He's um, There would be no way... F- or where nowhere for him to go it's um it's very realistic because in in a lot of modern movies they they seem to think that you would be able to run away in Vichy France um and as a black man that really would not be possible for him um he has his papers he could have forged papers but uh there's nowhere for him to run uh easily from that situation and uh for her as well uh so yeah, it, a lot of films would take the easy way out and say they escaped the heroes, but um, yeah, they, no, I, I like the way it ends for them. I think it had to. I really like that ending. It's it's incredibly epic, that's for sure. There's a lot of a uh, lot of action going on in that ending, um, especially with the fire and uh, then just taking out Hitler. They get to do the cool. They have. I don't know. I've never seen. Have you seen any other movies that have that? Uh, that fist gun is the best way I'll say it. I, yeah, that, the, where they um, just get to cap somebody with one. Yeah, that was so cool. That was great. I I have. I feel like I've seen it used somewhere before. That kind of um, in a in a western or um, where the gun drops out. Usually, it's on the inside of the wrist where it drops down, and you actually have the pistol drop into your hand, and you shoot mm-hmm. someone. But um, I've never seen it affixed to the outside of the hand. Um, but I think the, the movie does have all the cinematic elements of, of, of a kind of a Western uh, for me. Um, I don't know where Landa, the German um, officer, the, uh, I don't know where he fits in, what kind of, vil- obviously he's the villain, but uh, um, the ending for me was a little like, well... I guess that's how it would end. You know, he does get his freedom, but at um, it's not really freedom for him because he'll always be known as that uh, as a Nazi. You know, it was satisfying, but at the same time, I I felt like if Aldo Rain had really been in that situation, he would have just killed him. You know, I don't think Aldo Rain had any uh, compunction about um, going back on his word as far as the Nazis were concerned. So that's where I felt it failed at the end. But. Yeah, uh, it kind of gets that movie shine at the end. I do like the lines of, um, once again, uh, Bugaverse, B.J. Novak, he lives, yeah. okay? He makes it all the way to the end with Brad Pitt. <laughs> and I do like him like asking him, like, would you make that deal? It's a good deal. And then, you know, we get to learn that the guy's going to live, but he's going to get marked with a swastika on the forehead yeah. and have it cut out. It's it's like you're saying, it's satisfying in a way, but there's also parts you could look at funny. Uh, BJ does get that line. He says, Alderain says, would you make that deal? And he says, I'd make that deal. Yeah, it's nice to have a... Uh, um, a little bit of an under five. So he did get paid for that day a little more. Um, <laughs> he needs the money, I've heard. Uh, but um, yeah, I think I chose this film because um, of all the German it has. It's, German is a, a notoriously beautiful language. And as a teacher of German, although I can't really show this to my students, <laughs> um, I would get fired, I think, for that. Uh, it really remains one of my favorites. It's a, an American film that isn't really in English um and uh it, yeah. it didn't suffer for that at the box office at all so uh yeah but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be in it um Simon Pegg Do you know what he what he was going to play Uh DiCaprio I think I mean Pitt was all the rain I think DiCaprio was supposed to play Christoph Waltz the German officer Oh okay um but and DiCaprio can speak German um well actually not so bad and not so poorly um and simon Pegg was supposed to play hickox which was the english spy um but uh that would have been um a little bit of a different film but not not worse not better just uh different i think yeah he's got leo for this next one with um i guess in once upon a time have you seen all of tarantino's films oh yeah of course yeah i think um i think the first film i saw was uh, well, wasn't really his film. It was Dust Till Dawn, which is the Rodriguez film, isn't it? 
written by yeah, Tarantino. Yeah. I, somebody told me once the way that worked out was, yeah, Tarantino wrote it, and that apparently that the guy who ended up doing a lot of the work for Walking Dead, Greg Nicotero, that does that special effects or whatever, the actual makeup of all the kind of monsters in Dust Till Dawn, yeah. had Tarantino write that for him, and I guess Rodriguez directed it. And you see his, yeah, you see his, um, his kind of fingerprints all over it. Um, Rodriguez's, I mean, um, I saw Reservoir Dogs, which was one of my favorite films. And that film, like Goodfellas, is, um, even as a feminist, I, I have a problem with women who say they, they, and there are women who like this, who won't see a film like that simply because they don't feel there's, um, enough, uh, female representation or women in the film. And I love those films because it's not about, um, it's not about the gender of the character. It's it's very, it's 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 about the the character themselves, and it's lazy for a filmmaker or a critic or even a fan to fall back into that that idea that you need to have um, this film needs to have more women in it, or we should support this film because it has all these women in it. I had huge problems with Ghostbusters the reboot. I went to see it. I supported it because I do support women in film, but it's such a lazy take. I mean, there are so many great films out there by female uh, female filmmakers. Uh, my favorite film, Advantageous, if you can find it, it's a dystopian future film with... I've uh, never heard of it. No one's ever actually. heard of it. It's brilliant. It's Advantageous. Advantageous. Um, and it's an enti- almost entirely a female cast, which, with the exception of two men uh ken young and um james urbaniak uh and um the main the main characters are asian um i i just don't understand why we have to go see a ghostbusters film when we have a ghostbusters film you know there are so many stories yeah we have a great one um with sigourney weaver so we don't need to see this kind of it's just awful child of, of of a film you know just because women want their take on it women should be able to have their own film and their own kind of you know history with a film we don't need to be copying men and um and i think tarantino gets the the short end of the stick from a lot of critics out there saying he doesn't write for women he does more than any male director out there today the only thing that's problematic about this film is that it's probably because it's a weinstein film you know um is it yeah that's the biggest problem for sure i do just because i'm gonna put it on quentin on this one i do have one question for you as a feminist yeah do you like the salma hayek character in dust till dawn because if i'm tracking it right tarantino writes the movie and then he plays the character that gets to have uh salma hayek stick her foot in his mouth and like shoot rum down his leg into his mouth. I think yeah, that's kind of bizarre. Um, a little bizarre. <laughs> People bring up the foot stuff online a lot for him. Well, I wonder Which, why. Do you know? Are you you know about the feet verse, right? Sleeves. I know a lot about feet. I mean that that was one of my favorite parts of Inglorious Bastards was the foot scene. Well, then let me tell you something really problematic that you might think is problematic about Inglorious Bastards. There's a scene where von Hammersmark, the German actress spy is being choked to death by landa in the office um he kills mm-hmm. her at the premiere those hands aren't christoph waltz's they're quentin tarantino's really yeah. now that's weird and uh, there's two ways you could look at this is it a pickup shot like was it something he added later on um because you can't really block I, th- I think he'd been thinking about choking her for months. <laughs> no. No, I think, allegedly. I think I it know. is a pickup, but um, a lot of people might say, you know, oh, he, why would he put that in there? Um, and I think it was, it was just a pickup. It was just something where he's like, well, I'll put my hands there and I'm going to, we're going to film an extreme close up, and um, we're going to choke you out. Uh, why, why did it have to be Tarantino? Why couldn't it have been like an actor? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe there is something weird there, but I have never heard the actress Diane Kruger say anything about that. Like that was weird. Um, when you think about it, the more you think about it, the weirder it kind of feels, you know, like, yeah, geez, you start analyzing don't, it. you don't think about it too much, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he has freely admitted Tarantino about um, he knew more 
than uh and and should have done something um he i think he did a bunch of interviews and uh um where he said he you know like everyone in hollywood he knew about what weinstein was doing and he should have put a stop to it but instead as a director he kept you know producing films for him but when you look at the weinstein history and miramax and the weinstein company um and there is no there's no apology for it but living in japan for 20 years i even know i even knew like 10 years ago about what weinstein was doing i mean it wasn't a hidden secret so i think everyone in hollywood has to assume that kind of culpability they all knew what was going on that doesn't excuse tarantino but um he didn't not speaking out because he was afraid for his own career is something that does not warrant him being canceled from I think from a feminist perspective um I think he was uh trying to protect uh what he had created as an artist but that's just my hot take I I agree with you too to a certain extent we're not trying to get all crazy into all that with Weinstein or anything everything that you're making is a valid point with him though Sleeves do you have any thoughts on the movie or Um, any questions for Yoko that we didn't quite bring up thankfully we have people like you in the bug verse to handle all of us crazy men and keep us in check and that world is doing pretty well compared to Hollywood yeah 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 we'd like to have more power though um so uh, if either of you, for some reason, are tired of this podcast or of each other, um, I'm sure there's many of us who would like to step in and kind of uh, take over the Bobby I'm, I'm sure we should be replaced by women, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, anybody can do it. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, I'll give you the email address that I'm using and the password. Just let me know. Anybody can can do this you're gonna be doing uh you're gonna be gaming on bazizio and maybe having your podcast come out soon so there's a change already happening yeah i think so oh one quick note i wanted to remark on the the film they introduce a character um at the premiere and his name is emil uh yannings um a lot of these people are based on historical figures and emil yannings the big fat actor that they introduced around at the premiere was actually the first academy award winner um in 1929 and his star his star is on the hollywood walk of fame in i think it was commissioned in 1960 so you have actual nazis who have you know stars on the walk of fame and um you'd think they'd want to get those uh get those removed (laughs) i don't know i mean that'd be not a not that's not a bad idea it's not a bad take yeah no, that's a actually that's a very good take, I'd say. Um what I do want to ask, I mean, what was it like? You said you saw this film in Japan. Yeah. And I mean, there's also like this there's so much um German in this film. What was it like to watch like so much like that's like that's so much culture, <laughs> different cultures at like one spot to be taking in all of that? Um, what is that like? What is that like? What is that? Like, what was it like to like watch a film like such like it's an American film and it's pulling from all this German history and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's also like you said it, it's got that Western feel, and then you're watching it in a Japanese theater. Yeah, it's um. Well, they're all all the films are subtitled in Japanese, so you do have Japanese subtitles. So if you can't understand German. Um, and you can speak and read Japanese, you would still understand it, but not too many people sure. can, not too many people can understand German and understand Japanese. Yeah. That's a very unique like perspective yeah. for you. Yeah. It's a weird situation and people would go in. Um, I saw it alone, but I know friends would go in and be like, ah, you know, I just didn't get half of it. Um, because it's a lot of it is in French and German and there's even a little bit of Italian at the end, but, uh, um, Seeing it in a in a Japanese movie theater, um, there's not a lot of um, that doesn't resonate as much as I would say is seeing something like I saw the movie Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. I saw that in Japan because I I lived in Japan for twenty years um, and pretty much grew up there. So watching that seems very patriotic as an american that you saw that in japan i'm like proud of you like yeah one for us it was like it was it was a packed movie theater it was a packed movie theater because it's a movie about 
the actual um, atrocities that that Japan to this day doesn't. Well, it might have just been packed because I think Rihanna was in that movie too. Pearl Harbor, she was. Was she? I think she was. I, we'll let the internet tell me if I'm wrong. If anybody. Oh, Liv listens. Tyler was in it. It's about the the yeah, uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Battleship. I'm sorry. I just blew all my movie credit. Rihanna's <laughs> oh, in man. Battleship. Liv Tyler's That's in Pearl terrible. Harbor. They're, they're wow, the same. Wow, I mixed up Warship Fuck. movies. That's embarrassing. Should have canceled myself <laughs> before this one. <laughs> yeah, that was. But seeing it like that, I don't think um uh, I most of the um. Japanese people I know that German Japanese kind of connection doesn't resonate like it would in Germany. And I did go to high school and university in Germany. So um, the the history surrounding World War II, uh, a lot isn't told to, um, to Japanese audiences and Japanese people about um, the things that actually happened during World War II from their side, from the Japanese and the Japanese Imperial Army, Imperial Army side. Um, that really isn't taught a lot to this day, much like, you know, Americans don't really hear as much as they should about the Vietnam War. So, um, but seeing it in that perspective, you know, in so many different languages, just like Peter Buttigieg, you know, I am fluent in so many languages that it really just rolls over me like, you know, it's no big deal. I was going to ask, is, is your, or do you know three or do you know more than that? I do languages? know more than that. I know eight. And I hate oh, saying that shit. because that's how many Buttigieg says he knows. And I know for a fact that's not how many he knows. That's how many he's taken a class in, and there's a huge difference. Um, I think someone said one time he speaks Swedish, and he doesn't, he doesn't speak Swedish. He probably knows conversational Swedish. And... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you, yeah, you're definitely one of the more cultured people in our whole verse, and I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking all this stuff with us. Yeah, I don't get a lot of people to talk to, so. I mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, I, of course, it, it was a pleasure. Having, it was a pleasure. Yeah, we're, we're having conversations with friends online, hopefully, is what this podcast is. Oh, man, it's going to be so great when you guys have the booth at Bug, BugCon 2021. It'll be just um, no. You'll have a booth in twenty twenty, of course. Yeah, she next, said. Tw- I, next I was year. thinking we're not good enough for next year. Maybe the next year, year after. Ne- of course you will. I'm sure they'll ask. I'll. They'll lower the rates for you. You know, you don't have to pay as much. But. Yeah, that help us out. Do you have any thought sleeves for Yoko? No, I don't know. Thank you for doing this. This was great talking to you. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you for having me. No, really, it's um. Hopefully, I get to return the flavor when uh. You know, I, I, I dump my, my episodes. and uh, We would love to be the first men on your Women Talking Women I could podcast. hold that space for you. Yeah, I could. that'd be great. Think of a movie yeah. you want to see. Oh, yeah. Thelma and Louise. Is that really? You want to see Thelma No, and no. I was just going women route. I don't know. We'll think on it. We'll have time. <laughs> Rack your brains. Yeah. Thank you so much. You, you really knew a ton. I can tell that you know a, a lot about movies, and it was uh, it was great talking to you, Yokohama Bunny. Everybody, if you want to follow her, it's at Stuff He Does on, on Twitter, and otherwise you'll see her in uh, Jack AM and all the Bazizio stuff is Yokohama Bunny. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.